0: The accounts were accurate, Weinstein personified the way powerful men could abuse their status to establish dominance over women. When he had invited these women to meetings, they had responded because they wanted to work, because they had ambition, creativity, and hopes and dreams. In return, he put them in no-win positions. Submit to sexual demands or risk repercussions. That was sexual harassment, whether or not it met the legal definition. The claims against Weinstein also appeared to have a predatory edge. And that his accusers were famous women was part of the point. It proved this was a universal problem.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. Today is Saturday, November nineteenth. Welcome to episode number sixty-four, where we will be discussing the adaptation. She said, "With me to talk about the adaptation is the New York Times Daily podcast listener, Goodwill Hunting enthusiast, and Black Cube operative, Mr. Eric." Say hello to the people. Eat.
0: Get on the ground. Will. <laughs> Sorry. No, that was. I don't really That's know. Aggressive. We don't really know what the Black Cube does. I think they uh, just perform like they intimidate they intimidate and they gather information Mm -hmm. and that's it when those verbs are that like generic you know it's like real
1: i wasn't really intimidated by that i was just more confused by your well we got
0: like certain levels we can't go above you know i don't know if you know about recording podcasts but you know (laughs) i I like to keep the levels around the same pitch just so that people's ears don't blow out and it's easier for whoever does the mixing after this to do their job i don't know who it is
1: that's really thoughtful of you (laughs) um it's actually decibel level not pitch level but you know well who's counting so
0: (laughs) will does will does the back end here so uh, (laughs) we actually thank will for all of his efforts i
1: appreciate it um well we saw the movie last night before we get into the movie let's get into some fast facts uh the book called she said and i don't actually have the full title here let me read it for you she said breaking the sexual harassment story that helped ignite a movement uh was written by Jody Cantor and Megan Tuohy. was published in September 2019 by Penguin Press. It has a Goodreads rating of 4.36 out of 5, so pretty damn good. Uh, the movie was released um, on November eighteenth, twenty 2022, uh, directed by Maria Schrader, uh, who was also known for uh, the Netflix, I believe it was a miniseries called Unorthodox. Uh, the screenplay was written by Rebecca uh, Lenkovitz, and then uh, the film stars Zoe Kazan carrie mulligan patricia clarkson and andre brauer uh the rotten tomato score is 87 percent. the metacritic 73 so pretty good
0: yeah i think so uh a pretty delicious book that we'll talk about in a second mm-hmm. like a lot of goodies in there and then a movie watched last night yep we'll get into it
1: yeah, we will get into it we will break it down decipher all of the differences and interactions uh there in yes thank you for that appreciate that can you give us a quick recap
0: yes the new york times journalists megan tui and jody cantor publish a report that exposes sexual abuse allegations against powerful hollywood producer harvey weinstein the shocking story also serves as a launching pad for the me too movement shattering decades of silence around the subject of sexual assault and harassment in hollywood and um around the country
1: Mm -hmm. yes um thank you for that so before we get into the uh, differences, or sorry, the uh, adaptation, uh, sorry, the book, <laughs> we're talking about all, <laughs> of, the yeah. all of the above, Yeah, all the above, we're going to do a little game here we love called Two Truths, One Lie. Eric, do you know how to play?
0: Yes. Three statements, two are true, one is a lie. Are you ready? Yes.
1: Number one, in Academy Awards speeches given up until 2017, Harvey Weinstein has been thanked as many times as God himself. Or herself. Uh number two, after the New York Times article, Harvey Weinstein had to return his Lone Academy Award uh, statue back to the Academy. Number three, Megan Tue, um the journalist, the co-journalist for the New York Times article, uh has received two Pulitzer Prize nominations. Eric, do you know which one is correct? Or which one is
0: false? Uh hmm. So Megan Tui receiving two Pulitzer Prize noms. No idea. Could be could be true. I have no idea. Uh Harvey had to Harvey Weinstein had to return his loan statue after the article. I feel like uh, that's probably true. Um I don't think the Academy I guess it's a different thing, but like after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, they just his punishment was to not go to the Oscars anymore, although he could still win them, which makes me wonder like how strict the academy is mm. with that kind of stuff this i mean harvey's stuff is like way beyond slapping chris rock mm-hmm. uh of course so the, I, you know i don't know uh number one in academy speeches up to 2017 harvey weinstein has been thanked as many times as god so this uh this one tickles me because i had heard i feel like this floats around sometimes that the person who gets thanked more than anyone else Is steven spielberg and so i feel like you just swapped the names and uh that so i think that's the lie number one
1: incorrect oh really yeah so um so you were right about steven spielberg uh so let me just quote this uh from the wikipedia page uh an, an analysis of academy award acceptance speeches from 1966 to 2016 um which I don't know who has the time to do that, but uh, thank you for doing that. Found that Weinstein had been thanked or praised in 34 speeches as many times as God and second only to Steven Spielberg with, 30, uh, with 43 mentions. I see. So quite interesting. Um, and then number two was a lie. He did not have to return. At least there has been no reporting of that. Um, I assume he still has it probably not within his possession anymore because he's in jail, but uh, he never returned it to the Academy. As far as we know, and then Megan Twoe did receive has received two uh, nominations for the Pulitzer Prize. The first one being in twenty fourteen for an article that she wrote. Um, sorry I'm just finding it here for investigative reporting for Reuters for quote for her exposure of an underground internet marketplace where parents could bypass social welfare regulations and get rid of children they had adopted overseas but no longer wanted. The oh story triggering, God. yeah, governmental action to curb the practice, and then obviously for twenty eighteen for her for the Harvard for University this article of basically, yeah. Um, so thank you, Megan Toohey, for your reporting. You were a force for good. Jeez, that how is, crazy is that? Yeah, and she didn't. She actually did not win. Um, somebody else won that year, but she was nominated. So, shout out Megan Toohey. Shout out Megan Toohey Yeah, and Jody Cantor. But yeah. yeah. Anyways,
0: good stuff here. I, I'm
1: surprised you knew that Steven Spielberg thing you'd heard about that yeah i hear about a lot of things i mean you're kind of in the realm you know yeah you're in the industry <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the far rings <laughs> yeah i don't know why that that's just always like lodged in my brain
1: yeah it's pretty funny
0: yeah well he's always nominated for something or, or other. yeah it goes to show you that harvey weinstein was often nominated for shit as well yeah
1: yeah he was i mean clearly he had impact in in that in that world yeah um pretty heavily so Okay, cool. Uh, we're going to do another one here called Over Under, which is another game that we love here. Um, this one's going to be a little bit more gross, but the number is 99.5, and the subject is women who said they had been sexually harassed or assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. I hate this. Uh Oh, God. Not to make a game of this, but I think it's relevant to what we're talking about.
0: Uh, I think. I think it's i'm gonna go over just because you're right it is over it's Uh, 107 fuck this guy
1: yeah it is 107 at least according to the wikipedia page of the uh of rv Weinstein. so uh on that note (laughs) we're gonna take a break (laughs) everything's everything's gonna look up after this (laughs) yeah it's gonna be a tough episode today um but we appreciate your listening and uh, we'll get through it together uh and we're gonna take a quick break and listen to an ad about uh times square
0: This episode of the Little Lens Podcast is brought to you by Visit Times Square. Love crowds? Inspired by overpriced chain restaurants like TGI Fridays? Love M&Ms but wish there was a store version of it? Want to take pictures with fake versions of fictional characters for all the money in your wallet? Visit Times Square. A place people really visit.
1: And welcome back. Thank you from that word from Visit Times Square. If you uh, didn't know, Eric, do you want to give everybody a little tidbit about Times Square? Yeah, Times Square named after
0: um its most famous resident, uh, the New York Times.
1: Which I had no idea until five seconds ago. There you go. So
0: we're doing a Eric learned you something early, so I'm going to think of something else for (laughs)
1: later. Um, so before we get into the Eric learned you something, are you big Times Square guy? No, definitely not. Okay. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah,
0: but you took the money from them to advertise on. Of course. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, now I am. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So, before we get into the movie, we're obviously going to talk about the book, uh, the source material, and the inspiration for the adaptation. Um, So, Eric, I want you to pitch me. I'm a studio exec, not named Harvey Weinstein, obviously. But I want you to pitch me on why adapt something like this into cinematic form.
0: Yes. Uh, So, Mr. Executive. uh, Thank you. Today, I have for you a powerful work of journalism this in my hands although i don't have it in my hands you have the book here but I yeah, don't yeah. Have it. that's correct. Okay. uh is the story of the reporters who got and published the harvey weinstein story that qualifier is important because weinstein i, I think in hollywood circles and, and you know this having worked at miramax for as long as you did <laughs> uh, was a noted harasser for for many years and i think it was like a fairly open secret there's a character, we talked off Mike, an entourage that was basically a Harvey Weinstein guy mm-hmm. that is from like 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a famous Seth MacFarlane comment that gets, fa- that gets quoted in this book um, when he's introducing the supporting actress nominees for the 2013 Oscars. Um, and he makes a comment that they now no longer have to find him attractive since mm-hmm. they've been nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that no one had been able to write this story before. Some have tried. There's a ken aletta at the new yorker had part of the story but couldn't get enough people on the record for it to go um while jody cantor and megan tu were working on this book ronan farrow late of nbc news and then of the new yorker had a competing and ultimately complimentary story about harvey weinstein and some of the like additional stuff that doesn't get uh shown in the she said book um but the big but the thing here is that like they got the story Mm -hmm. and it's public and there are people on the record. Um, and it is, it's tremendous work of both like nuts and bolts journalism and an example of holding power to account. It's a story about Hollywood's, you know, slow gendered evolution. I think the book is timely. It's certainly cinematic. Um, there's a very clear narrative arc. You know, this is a quest to hit publish, in a cms system an article oh nice um and i think it's exactly the kind of story that hollywood would want to tell in 2022 it's about hollywood you know in some respects growing up but it's also about the changing of the guard as far as like gender politics goes writ large in the country um and i think it's just like i don't know it's 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 it's, it's, if you read it it's very propulsive um and it's it's scary too mm-hmm. it's it's just an example of like all of the good things journalism can do for the country as exemplified in one particular like segment you know mm-hmm. the harvey weinstein story can be extrapolated into so many different things
1: mm-hmm. i guess my only worry as a studio exec is is this too much is this you know do people want this story again is it too soon after the the me too movement does this need Does there need to be more time to breathe to bring the story again to light? Has the story already been told?
0: Well, that's I mean, the story has already been told in, in book form. And in, and in yeah. And in print. So why tell it again? I think you're reaching a different audience, probably. I think more people usually see the movie than either read the book or read the full article. I would imagine most people today. Uh, engage with an article at, like at its headline and then skim if they even click mm-hmm. right like the the twitter of twitter occasion twitter of people's brains today is just to get like the headline news mm-hmm. and then move on i think what gets lost and what this script i have for you does is center on the victim's stories and it tells a more it, it tries to go into more detail about like the women impacted by Harvey Weinstein versus just the Harvey Weinstein of it all. Mm-hmm. So it's a story about people as much as, it, as as much as it is about the like power broker, the system in play that allowed these people to be victimized. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all in one. And I, as far as like, is it too soon? I don't have an answer for that. I think obviously Harvey Weinstein is still being tried in Los Angeles and in London, though he was sentenced to 23 years in prison from his like New York charges. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there is such a thing as too soon or if there is just a thing of like Joe average Joe viewer, like doesn't want to deal with this right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think there is, there are some things that require like perspective um, maybe like a story about the Vietnam war or the Iraq war or whatever. Like there are secrets that come out later that you sort of need available to mm-hmm. tell a fuller picture. But this story is like pretty, it's pretty much there, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think anything new is going to come out about Harvey Weinstein that will make this particular story like feel dated at any point. Right. Like what, what conceivably could come out? Like if the accusers are more than, you know there's 107 accusers yeah there's like decades-long behavior that repeats um he's a very important person in like the history of hollywood because he uh ushers in like a wave of independent films in the 90s and so i don't know he's the guy that just like touches all aspects of hollywood and the story i think is like pretty closed the only thing that's missing is like his (laughs) prison sentencing really Mm -hmm. if you
1: think about it Mm -hmm. no it's just interesting i think um i think the me too movement was um ended up being like huge right it was massive so it kind of dominated the news cycle for a long time and there were a lot of people who kind of pushed back on the me too movement as well so it's not really it was like a little bit toxic i think um and i think things that are like in the public sphere for so long people tend to get tired of right um so that's my only reason for that question is like was it too soon then i was actually trying to do a little bit of research on similar films like you mentioned before spotlight and then all the president's men um so the Watergate scandal occurred between 72 and 74 yeah and the movie actually came out in 76 yeah that was like pretty recent like right after yeah Um, and I'm trying to find the spotlight one so it looks like the spotlight came out in 2015 uh, but the Globe published their 2000 article in 2003 so it was like you know 12 years after that yeah after the fact Um, so I wonder like like how does recency play in like telling these stories but I guess you know We'll obviously find out how popular this movie is um yeah, I think your question
0: is one of like commercial viability are people mm-hmm. do people want to see like a story like this? Do people need to see it or do they feel like they're good on the Weinstein story? Obviously, it's like very gross and uncomfortable in a lot of mm-hmm. ways um and now you're visualizing it in addition to just like writing it down, yeah, so I think yeah. that's that's like a difficulty. Inherent in, in doing this as a movie.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I I don't know. I just think like there's something about the spotlight thing where it's like so much time has passed and people have like it's still kind of in everybody's mind, but people have kind of forgot about it. It's sort of fallen out of the news cycle and fallen out of uh people's front of mind. Whereas this still feels relevant. It still feels top of mind almost. Um, especially with Trump still sort of in the sphere and obviously there was reporting on him by these reporters as well for his behavior towards women um where it's interesting i don't know i, I don't really have an opinion on it either way i just think it's an interesting um canon warning to open up like does timing affect people's thoughts or feelings towards going to see a movie like this
0: potentially and i think um the book actually goes into some detail about like the post wine scene of it all like mm-hmm. the, the me too movement started before weinstein but like Weinstein kind of turbocharged things and the uh reporters who wrote the book kind of go into the idea of like how do you like it starts off a wave of trying to litigate harassment but there's also a question of like how do you do that Mm -hmm. and part of it is like putting policies in place at places like mcdonald's which is mentioned in the book workplaces in general having Mm -hmm. any kind of rules set up to litigate these things but a lot of it um is is difficult because it is it can fall into like he said he said she said mm-hmm. ding title of the book mm-hmm. um but there there is it's a, yeah i don't know i you know we're just two like guys talking to mic but it, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely like there is there are moments where there are i don't even want to i don't even want to go there but like there are there are like i don't know
2: i, I don't know what to like, say it no i don't i don't know the, i
0: mean right, it's fine i don't know the right way to, to say it but it's like there are accusations of Harvey Weinstein and there are like patterns of behavior like his that are gross. Right. And then there are, I I mean, I don't know. It's in the book, right. Where they're like, there are accusations that are founded and there are accusations that are unfounded that are unfounded. Right. And they talk about Brett Kavanaugh who had two accusers with legitimate accusations. And then Stormy Daniels lawyer, Michael Averenti or whatever Mm -hmm. his name is, comes forth with a third accusation that was like totally fabricated Mm -hmm. and kind of undid the power of the first two accusations. Mm -hmm. And it let Kavanaugh basically like skate past the stuff because they're like, oh, see, look, like everyone's just coming forward with stories now and this story's not real. Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden, like what you're trying to do gets undermined very easily. And so it's one of those things where like, it's so difficult because you have to, both like come with on the record stories recent stories Mm because there is like a statute of limitations on some of this stuff sometimes yeah um and like it's easier when there is a record of a going to the police b um people in the room witnesses Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. this there's all these like layers of things that need to be seen and had in order for it to stand up in a court of law like for the Weinstein it, like Weinstein in, in particular there are accusers which is a public thing mm-hmm. and it tells you that he is like a gross person mm-hmm. and then there are people that are accusing him of crimes right there are p- people who are accusing him of harassment which is you know a crime but there are people who are, who are accusing him of rape mm-hmm. and worse yeah. which is a felony level offense right. Right. It's,
1: it's so there are different levels yeah. yeah I just think it's 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 important to bring up like the importance of this book because it tells that entire story. Like it tells the story of the Weinstein accusations and the different levels of accusations and crimes, as well as the Christy uh, Christine Blasey Ford. Yeah. Right. Her accusations, but also like you said, the, uh, Stormy Daniels, Daniels stuff, um, as well, where you get this economy of, you know, what can you believe? What can you verify? And the importance of these journalists Verifying everything before they report it. Um, it, just goes to show like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff out there that doesn't get reported because people are either have you know NDAs or um, people don't believe certain things, right? And there's this like sort of or, there, or at least there was this sort of realm of like who's gonna he said she said. So this is sort of like the crux behind this obviously the story, um, and the title of this book. So. I just wanted to mention that because I think the book is really important in portraying both sides of that argument, right? Yeah. In the whole story. Whereas the article, if you read it, it's a great article, but it's only one one side of the story. It's only one, I don't want to say one side of the story, but it's only one aspect of the book, essentially. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Right. Yeah. The book is definitely more focused on, like, the Me Too era of it all mm-hmm. versus just going after Harvey. Right. But, the, you know, to the it's a difficult conversation to have really mm-hmm. um but there are of course like you know Weinstein goes down someone like Bill Cosby Bill O'Reilly mm-hmm. there are a lot of famous men that rightly so get taken down because there is a pattern of abuse in it you can you can verify it and all this stuff and then there are the book mentions like Aziz Ansari's situation mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Uh, Louis C.K. well Lucy K. seems like well, I guess I don't know enough about the situation, but that, that one seems more damnable. Mm-hmm. And then um uh the former senator for Minnesota, Al Franken. Like oh, yeah. there there are other situations where like once the wave started, like the burden of proof seemed to like fracture a little bit. Like mm-hmm. they got Weinstein with like a hundred and seven accounts. Mm-hmm. And Aziz had one person kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they, they do talk about how the movement got warped in a sense where like it was it it existed from Weinstein and then like at a certain point certain people decided like no you can't just like do all of this and it became like very confused
1: yeah so I think the I think it was Jody Cantor or one of the authors obviously um, wrote in the book that they they kind of came to grips with the question of like did we do too much? Is this too much going on right now? Or did we, are we not doing enough and kind of like grappling with that question um, of like, did we spark something that's like kind of out of control now, or are we still not doing enough to like report on all these people? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's kind of an interesting question and um, I don't know. I just thought the book was great. And um We should, before we get to into like what we liked about it, were there any parts of the book you were excited to see adapted?
0: Yeah. I, I think I find like journalist movies just like uniformly interesting. Um, it's like a detective movie, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's a mystery. They have to find the information their heroes taking down bad people you know we talked about how this is a journalism movie is kind of like a quest movie mm-hmm. they have to find the stuff that goes on a blank white page and they have to hit publish mm-hmm. and then like that's the the ultimate quest is to, to hit publish so there's like a very easy through line there and I, I don't know i find it pretty enjoyable but then there's also like the tertiary stuff for like Are you working the phones the whole time? Are Mm -hmm. you like knocking on doors? Are you walking around? Where do you get stuck? You know, where does Harvey fit in Mm -hmm. all this stuff that like, is just very interesting. And the book does a, the book is, is pretty like nuts and bolts on reporting. Like they Mm -hmm. talk about the levels of sourcing that you need, the level of like documentation that you need, um, how the executive editor of the times, Dean McKay, um, wants them to talk to Weinstein on the record only mm-hmm. so they don't allow him to lie Yep. Um, how, how they like push their story further all this kind of stuff which is just like really really interesting yeah. because we don't you know work in newsrooms and so um, just understanding what goes into I mean we just talked about like the the difficulties in proving harassment
1: mm-hmm. especially with NDAs
0: what goes into what can go into a New York Times article and what is just lives on Twitter
1: yeah. And also like, uh, it was interesting to hear, um, like the timing of the publish publishing, like how much uh, journalists. Yeah. yeah. The journalists wanted to wait for verified accounts with Ashley Judd, um, and pot- potentially more people, but the, um, uh, I forget his name, but the head, the head guy making the call on when to publish Dean, Baquet. Yes. Uh, he was like, Nope. Like we have all, we've basically secured all verified all of our things. We're just going to publish it. And then, you know, if, if people want to come out later, we can just add to the story or write a new story later. It's interesting to hear that because obviously they're feeling pressure from the New Yorker article with Ronan Farrow's investigation. Um, that was really interesting. And then obviously the the two days for Harvey Weinstein to um, basically make a response after they presented their, their findings to him, which I thought was interesting. Um, it's funny. It's like how, that's an interesting question. How much time should he get? because uh, there is one argument it's like he should get no time. Like he's a he's a criminal, he's a horrible person. Basically fuck him. He can respond after the articles come out. But then you get into dicey territory of like this is a hit piece. Right, that'd right? be more biased. It'd be way yeah. more biased. Um but then it's like, okay, how do we give him too much time? Do we give him a week, two weeks? This is a lot of information. It goes back decades. Like he needs to talk to a lot of people probably. So is four to eight hours really enough. Yeah. So you get kind of both sides of the argument, but I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the black cube stuff. Yeah, I wanted it's to talk wild. about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I just thought it was interesting because, like, you always kind of think about it, or for me, like, I always think about these things with like people with loads of money. Like, there are these shady organizations in the background who would kind of do whatever you want for them for a certain price, Uh, and you kind of get an insight into that. This organization called Black Cube, which is from Israel. I don't know if they're still operating or not, but um, they kind of they do a few things. So they basically create a fake journalist mm-hmm. um, where they're reaching out to people and stuff um, as well as a fake victim. So them calling, um, I think it's Jodi Cantor and saying, Hey, I have a victim, blah, blah, blah. And then there was another person I think uh, who was set up, who was basically was trying to set up a um, panel, basically yeah. panel discussion for women's rights and uh, harassment issues and stuff like that um it's just like that is crazy
0: yeah and worse like more intimidating stuff like boots on the ground like violence yeah. and just you know
1: intimidation physical intimidation existential yeah. threats yeah
0: yeah and, and i think if you're interested in that stuff the the ronan farrow book goes into like much more detail does it, okay about about black cube mm-hmm. um other things i was interested to see is just like how large of a scope does the film have because mm-hmm. we kind of touched on this but like the book opens with trump it ends with kavanaugh it's sort of this like full circle opening me too era that kavanaugh and trump sort of jump over and Mm -hmm. then like gets weinstein um so if you're the movie how wide of a net do you cast do you just focus on weinstein do you throw in other stuff Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. do you go into the christine blasey ford of it all because uh, like the last uh, 40 pages 50 pages of the book are about like the christine blasey ford story yeah. which is like very interesting but mm-hmm. uh it's not part of the weinstein story unless you're reading into like a larger systemic mm-hmm. um you're looking at the larger like sy- system in place yeah uh lastly my question was do you see weinstein because Mm. I think our my touchdowns here are basically all the president's men in spotlight, and all the president's men doesn't have a nixon character nixon is is shown in clips um on the t v in spotlight. the i guess like Weinstein character would be Cardinal law who runs the boston archdiocese mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and he sh- he is shown like briefly as an actor um and I don't know I was, I was thinking like. Not to bring up Entourage again, but there's a moment in Entourage where they consider not having the movie star in the behind the scenes of the West Wing. They admitted like at first they didn't want to have the president. Mm. There are some instances where some of these like initial ideas for shows or movies or whatever um, are they like don't want the sun around their characters. They just want like the people around the, the, the big star or mm, whatever the
1: subject of the of their interests right? yeah
0: they yeah. want like the the people around that person not that person included and mm-hmm. y- uniformly like they all like show that person like last yeah. wing has a president entourage has vincent chase uh i mm-hmm. need better touchstones but um you know in, in a way like weinstein is sort of like the sun in this universe because he is everywhere he intimidates everything he controls everything he's controlled all these women for as long as he had um And there's also a very like obvious argument for excluding him because he is a like predatory monstrous person who um, makes a lot of people uncomfortable. He's also,
1: yeah. He's also not the subject of this story. He's the subject of uh, the characters. He's sort of the motivation for the characters in the story, right? We're not following Weinstein around. We're not like doing his day to day stuff. Um, He is sort of in the background or on the tertiary as the focus for the main characters in the story, but it's about the main characters in the story. And that was why I think showing him would be distracting. Right. It's sort of like, sort of like in a horror movie, why they don't show the, uh, like the, the villain at the, until the very end kind of thing.
0: Like Jaws, right? Like, yeah. You know, if you get in the ocean, like you might get got, but like, right. We don't show you that so right. much. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I think I, I enjoy, I, I, I liked the fact that they included him because there are scenes where they are talking to each other yeah right so you have to sort of do that and have those scenes but never showed his face um i guess maybe the young version of him but um with the irish girl but um
0: yeah do they i don't even think they show him back
1: then do they well there's yeah remember they were, i think it was Is he the guy with the man bun no he's got the long hair they're at that coffee shop yeah i thought I that, thought was, that was, man, was him
0: or was that just like a ponytail Maybe it was. I think it was just long hair. Okay.
1: It could have been him. It could have not been him. I'm I'm not sure. But yeah, I thought it was. It wasn't obvious in any of it. It was ambiguous. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. Anything you wanted to see?
1: The Black Cube stuff, I thought would have been really interesting. But I was just really intrigued with the conversations between journalists and the subject. And I thought, how are they going to do that? um are they going to have them in the same room together are they just going to have this like email correspondence which wouldn't really make sense in a movie um so was just interested to see how they did that um yeah kind of those things
0: yeah it is interesting a lot of journalism is is like talking on the phone or emails or texting yeah yeah and then in a movie that was is like very uninteresting so yeah yeah you got to get on a plane to wales and to london and yeah yeah yeah
1: um did you like reading it
0: uh very much um there's a lot of good nuggets in here uh, if anybody is like interested in like journalism how it works i think this book is amazing uh we talked about how you know they never talked to Weinstein off the record um i thought it was interesting how candor and tui sort of framed their request as like we can't undo what happened in the past but like mm-hmm. if you speak to us we can help stop it in the future mm-hmm. Sort of like way to get people to talk. I thought that was fairly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like you know, there's a Marissa Tomei section, there's a Lena Dunham section um, there's like Gwyneth Paltrow section. There is some of the like a-list stuff you want, but I think a lot of it is a, a lot of what's cool about it is that it, it it's not just up its own ass about Hollywood. It does talk about there's a, a woman who changed the harassment, like recourse at McDonald's she mm-hmm. got she made change. Um, Laura Madden, who I think is one of the great parts of the movie. Um, her whole section about being recently divorced and undergoing a mastectomy and like having lost a breast, but, and also being afraid of like losing her womanliness I don't mm-hmm. know if womanhood just because she was going on a vacation alone for the first time without her husband, but also like was undergoing cancer. And yeah. it was just kind of a very harrowing story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, you know, it, it reaches like the Gwyneth Paltrow level. And then it, um, looks at even more at risk people who work service jobs and Mm -hmm. are, I think easily forgotten, easily overlooked, um, but also easily taken advantage of. So it's sort of, it looked through the entire spectrum of women who,
1: Mm -hmm. um, have been hurt by this system, I suppose. Yeah. 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 I really enjoyed reading it. Um, I was surprised to get the Christine Blasey Ford stuff. Uh, even the Trump stuff, I wasn't really aware of. I didn't realize that Jody Cantor was a reporter on that, um, on those articles. But yeah, I mean, it was just... It really was... It's almost like a historical document, in a way, um, for this moment in time. And if you are looking for a Me Too book or just interested in um, journalism in general, like you said, or this story in general... Uh, this is such a great resource for it. It really gives you sort of a background as to like how they communicate with accusers um, as well as victims um, or yeah. accusees, I guess, excuse me, like Harvey Weinstein, as well as like victims of abuse uh, and how, how important it is to actually have documentation and reporting as well as like getting around NDAs and sort of the pressure that that comes with and um, it's just, yeah, it was just really insightful. I've never actually read a book like this, um, sort of about journalism in this way. Um, so it was just, just really interesting and insightful from that perspective. And, um, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I would, I would actually probably read it again, honestly. Yeah. Um, like down the road, just cause it's just like, it's just really, really interesting. Yeah. So would definitely recommend it. Um, but yeah, anything else?
0: No. Should we learn you something?
1: Well, we're going to take a little break first. We got to, we got to, uh, pay some bills, shout out our sponsors. You know what I'm saying? So, um, we're going to listen to the trailer real quick and we'll be right back. Why is sexual harassment so pervasive and so hard to address? Let's interrogate
2: the whole system. My name is Jody Cantor. I'm an investigative reporter for the New York times. What have you got? I was told that the wrongdoing in Hollywood is overwhelming. What is it exactly that we're looking at here? These young women walked into what they all had reason to believe were business meetings. I can still see the floor plan. He kept trying to touch me. I asked him to leave me alone. Instead, they say he met them with threats and sexual demands. We're from the New York Times. I believe he used to work for Harvey Weinstein. People have tried to write this story he kills it every time. Harvey denies any allegation of assault. Will you give me just one chance to talk to you? Are
1: you sure that this isn't just
2: young women who want to sleep with a movie producer to try to get ahead? You have to imagine that every call you make has been recorded and you're being followed. Can you imagine how many Harveys there are out there? You want to get me killed. The only way these women are
1: going to go on the record
2: is if they all jump together.
1: We're all here, Harvey have you talked to i have
2: three daughters and i don't want them to ever accept abuse i'll go on the record go write it's time to write this is all gonna come out i want my voice back
1: and welcome back thank you for listening to the trailer for she said uh, before we get into the adaptation and its differences, Eric is going to learn something. Eric, take it away.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk through the levels of attribution that journalists use when writing a story. I think, especially given the Weinstein story, where there are NDAs, people who want to talk off the record, people who want to do all like sorts of different things. Uh, I thought it was interesting to just talk through like some of the stuff. So mm-hmm. there are basically four levels of attribution. Uh, one, most obviously, on the record. This means that everything the source says may be published and quoted directly and the source may be fully identified by both name and title um this is you know something that provides readers the most clarity as they read a piece they know who it's coming from and and who they are Uh, second level is what's referred to as on background also known as not for attribution this means the reporter may quote the source directly but not attribute the quote to them by name um, usually they're described by their position, AKA a former employee of the Weinstein mm-hmm. company or like senior military officers with direct knowledge of the program. Some important sources may only feel comfortable talking on the con- condition of anonymity. And I think on background is how you get around a lot of the like NDA stuff. You know, someone mm-hmm. with a source of the someone, someone with an understanding of the events said mm-hmm. this um, next level down on deep background, a source on deep background may not be quoted directly and may not be identified in any way. Um, However, in practice, you'll see this written as, it has been learned that, or the New York Times has learned that. So sources on deep background may also play an important role in verifying already discovered information rather than providing anything new. So in this movie, the former accountant for the Weinstein Company is on deep background when he provides the Lauren O'Connor LLC, the Lauren O'Connor memo that Jody Cantor, Mm. like photographs um in the restaurant mm-hmm. which poor jody candor had to like pick up three of those like fancy italian restaurant bills the guy was like i'll pay for these and then he just like leaves earlier. yeah it's time. tough yeah it's like a bottle of wine and like some things um also on, on deep background like deep throat uh if you're familiar with watergate um i forget the name of the guy but I he would be someone on deep background mm-hmm. who basically like helps the reporters verify facts but is in is otherwise like not affiliated with the right. eventual article. Mm-hmm. And then the last level is off the record. Um, this source provides information that cannot be used in any way. Uh, and importantly, you both parties, the journalist and the source have to agree that a conversation or something is off the record before they exchange information. Um, some reporters avoid off the record statements entirely because they don't want to like have their, abilities clouded by information that they can't use um and others will take off off the record information as a uh like stepping stone to finding it to finding a source mm-hmm. who will actually provide it to them either on background or on the record mm-hmm. so it's sort of like using wikipedia to then go to the article that you're going to quote mm-hmm. in your term paper yeah yeah. you can't quote wikipedia but wikipedia is like the gateway to
1: where you want where go. you want to find it yeah it yeah. yeah. makes sense
0: so those are the four levels of attribution. That's and
1: really cool. Now you're a journalist, so appreciate <laughs> sure. uh, <laughs> start journalism, do some good, you know. <laughs> um, in this article or in this like snippet here of our our Google Doc, it, it mentions that you were a beat reporter. I didn't know this. Well, you know, that's it's, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> it also says you're a professional podcaster. Is that true? For some a different podcast? Did I write professional? We're not professional. I meant
0: semi-professional. <laughs> I downgraded myself. You we're amateurs. For yeah, sure. we're on background as podcasters. <laughs> we are uh, providing just nonsense information. I didn't know you, that
1: you were a beat reporter for the Charlottesville City Council. Yeah. Was uh, this while we were at UVA? I miss about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were.
0: Th- this is when we lived together.
1: So I didn't know who that. Were you the whole time. <laughs> this is in secret. Yeah. No, you never well, asked me for comment on anything.
0: No. Well, I went to. I went to like a dozen city council meetings and just listen to them talk about like plans for parks and mm-hmm. whatnot it was oh, a pretty you. it was a pretty boring year because it was like you know in our time at uva there like a not much happened but we like before us like a bunch of shit happened yeah. after us a bunch of shit happened yeah yeah so i was sort of in like the eye of the hurricane that's too bad in a way
1: yeah nothing <laughs> all this cows is going around you but you don't see it yeah, yeah. i did
0: write a piece about uh guns, like the legality of guns in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I quoted a guy who uh eventually got used in a um what's his name? John not John Stewart. John Oliver um piece. Really? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I was like, I talked to that guy before. That's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Um that's the only that's the only thing I can remember about
1: was there anybody who was just like um you would go up to and they're like this needs to be off the record or like
0: no um i mean this was the college paper so this yeah, so it's not like a United lot of the States. work frankly was done by like our editors who would be like here's a source we've used before here's a source we've used before reach out to them mm-hmm. and they more, most likely will talk to you gotcha um but if you went to like the city council meeting it was on you to talk to somebody there right right whoever that might might be mm-hmm. yeah it was interesting, interesting. yeah so there you go.
1: Well, thank you for learning me something I appreciate. You're welcome. That. Um cool. So, um the moment we've all been waiting for, let's talk about the movie. How would you describe this adaptation? Literal, loose, or reimagined? I think
0: I think this is a big time literal. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that is appropriate given the involvement of the New York Times. Mm-hmm. They obviously bought like a a book written by two Times reporters. They were able to film in the New York Times office. Yeah i saw that uh they filmed in august of 2021 and then times uh moved their employees back in september so they had like a month of just like free run
1: oh interesting. in the office
0: before anybody came back so it's kind of like you, they didn't like have to bother anybody yeah they were just like there and maybe some people came in or maybe not i don't know but Wild. uh free free run yeah. and I, I think also like literal given the nature of the story which involves you know uh powerful emotional testimony that these women like really went out on a limb to provide, and so I think for a movie that very much centers the victim stories, like getting those right, translating those correctly from the book is like I think you start there very obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, um, I would say it it kind of uh, moves a little bit. The needle moves a little bit towards loose, just for the fact that there are large portions of this book that just weren't not in the movie for the christine blasey ford stuff as well as um the uh financial improprieties by harvey weinstein with his aids organization um where he funneled six hundred thousand dollars to investors of the film finding neverland
0: yes from Um, amfar
1: amfar thank you yeah yeah just the broadway show very interesting part yeah yeah, Yeah, yeah. very interesting parts of the book that just were not in the movie but that doesn't really take away from the fact that it's very much cut and dry. I think the stuff in the movie though is all, it's all from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all the same tone and yeah, yeah, for sure. But just want to mention that. So let's get into the differences. What's your first,
0: uh, let's go for the big fish first. I think, um, first difference is Harvey Weinstein. He gets, I think maybe five minutes of five to 10 minutes of, of time in this movie in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and most of that is just his voice. Uh, he makes, there are several phone calls with times reporters. There is, I think the real um, uh, back and forth that the Italian model, Ambra Battiliana Gutierrez recorded of their interaction. Um, that's replayed almost in full. Yeah. As the camera just like swoops through the hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is like a, one last scene where harvey the actor who plays harvey weinstein walks into the times building to talk about like the story they're running and mm-hmm. it's his chance to refute it and you don't get a face and in that scene you actually don't get his voice you just kind of get the back of his head walking in to the times office up the elevator and then it shows megan to like holding a conversation with his lawyer team and him but there's no volume it's just sort of like a and it kind of like zooms in on Megan Toohey who's sort of zoned out, just mm-hmm. like listening. She's kind of staring down Harvey Weinstein, yeah. a little bit. And yeah. she's
1: not really. It's it's almost like the lawyers are just y- kind of yelling at her, and yeah. she's just sort of taking it. But she's confident. Yeah, her story. She's not like bewildered by this pressure.
0: Yeah. So there's his face is never shown. Um, there is real voice, and then I think probably a fake voice, an actor voice. Yeah. Um, doing him. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not amazingly different, but I, I I do think it's important to bring up just because it is like I I think a capital C choice. Yeah. Um Harvey, we we sort of like litigated this already, but you know this is a story. This movie is telling the story of journalists on a quest to hit publish on a story about Harvey Weinstein, and inherent in that is the appearance of Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And I think the movie, while using that like framing device downgrades Weinstein for reasons we've talked about in order to bring up um various like the victims
1: and their families
0: victims and their families and and give them the time to talk about what happened Mm -hmm. and these are all played by actors i think um but they do like visit each of the people that are mentioned in the article minus gutierrez and uh give them like five ten minutes plus a flashback to Mm -hmm. sort of go into uh their accounts of of like you know 20 years ago with with Weinstein right right so um I don't know it's it's interesting because on one hand you're removing the sort of
1: the big whale
0: you're moving the big whale in a way um but you're also doing you're doing you're just doing something different you're just you're kind of just like shifting things around and your mileage may vary with this, whether or not you feel like there's a, I don't even know, like an appropriate sense of dread. I don't know if that makes sense here, but mm-hmm. the fact that like Harvey Weinstein is sort of everywhere when you lose him, and we talked about Black Cube, you don't get a ton of Black Cube right in this. So, do you think there is enough of like antagonism in this story, uh, to make it? Do you think there's enough antagonism in this story, or are you okay with just like we get to see the victims we get to see them hit publish we kind of know the rest mm-hmm. um or did you want the like extra existential threat to like the publishing
1: of it does that make sense it's a good question yeah I th- it's a very good question it's like do you need to see the antagonist doing his bad things do you, do you need to see him committing these crimes Um, Well, not committing the crimes. Well, I mean, you could do that, right? I guess I suppose you could. You could do that, or you could also just have him berating around and assembling his troops against the New York Times as well. Um, It's an interesting perspective. I I wouldn't not see that movie, right? Um, I do think it's obviously a choice to to not show those things and to just highlight the reporters and the victims and their families. I think it's probably the the reason that they do that is, is important because you don't want to highlight um, somebody who is real and who did commit these crimes, yeah. right? You don't want to sort of highlight them or give them their moment right on screen. It's sort of like you want to highlight the people who were victimized and stuff like that. So I, I, I agree with that choice. I prefer that choice. Um, so I don't, I didn't personally need to see the antagonist and and have him doing his things in the background um uh, brought to the forefront. So no, not necessarily. Um I think it's different for us because you know, because we cover, fi- you know, films and books and stuff like this, we're aware of Harvey Weinstein, we know who he is. Yeah. It might be different for somebody who maybe doesn't watch films or isn't aware of who Harvey Weinstein is or what he's done. So maybe for that perspective, it might be different. Um, it might be lacking, um, that antagonist feeling. But for me, no, I didn't, I didn't think so. What about you?
0: I'm, I'm certainly not advocating for like showing the crimes. I think that's like a very different, that's a movie that would be told in like the 1960s when like gender politics were very different. Um, I think today, I I think they actually handled it very appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, my my one thought is not so much about like fairly, my, not so much about like the showing of Weinstein, but the sort of story at play here is like sort of. I don't want to say. So, we sort of know everyone sort of knows the Harvey Weinstein of it. Like these journalists know what Harvey Weinstein did. The question is like whether or not they can prove it. Mm-hmm. And so the story is not finding the story. The story is getting these victims on the record. Yeah. So and it's finding it's,
1: the evidence supporting documents. Not even that, it. like
0: all that stuff exists. Right. Right. Um, And it's not a surprise that it exists. It You know, I I suppose at a certain point they learned that there is was a memo that one female employee of the company sent mm-hmm. that is a uh, real time damnation of Weinstein's activities. But otherwise, they're they're collecting victim stories, and the way the article is best served is if more women go on the record. But more women won't go on the record unless more women go on the record. Right, right, right. It's sort of like I think they say at some point, like they all need to jump together. Yeah, and that's the way it has to work but there is the the journalism is not like finding the dirt like the dirt is very the dirt is there mm-hmm. everyone kind of knows he's a harasser abuser all this stuff what they don't what they what they need to do is get the people who were victimized to like say so in the new york times and so it's a, it's like a different kind of
1: goal or motivation i see like
0: a different sort of blockage like the blockage is saying. not is not the the unvisibility of the truth or like the obstruction of truth it's like how do we get you, Ashley Judd to say this in the New York Times? yeah
1: how do we put your name in our article so it's in, in a article? way
0: like the antagonist is like an n d a almost or an n d a yeah and uh yeah, the fear and of and retribution. Sure, yes, yes, yes. The fear of retribution, and yeah. it's 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 like cloudier. Yeah, and so I don't know if I'm explaining this well or right, but like we just talked about the greatest bureau ever, how mm-hmm. Vietnam is a sort of like nebulous thing because mm-hmm. there's no Hitler. Whereas, like, they talk about, you know, Greatest Bureau. And, like, okay, you know, when our parents fought in World War II, there was Hitler. It was very obvious. When you go fight in Vietnam, it's, like, less obvious who you're fighting. Yeah, And so, with the, this movie, like...
1: It's less obvious. Do you
0: need... I, I, it's both obvious and, like... You also don't... Eat. Obstructed, in a way. Because they, yeah. don't, they don't use Weinstein as, like, a... I don't know. This metaphor is running out of steam. But, like, they don't use Weinstein as Hitler. Right. Weinstein is just sort of, like...
1: He's the backdrop. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I think... And the book doesn't do... The book kind of misses as well. Like, they say um, multiple times in the book and movie, the fear of retribution. You know, the actors or the actresses um, don't want to speak out and don't want to go on the record. They don't want their name in this because they're afraid that Harvey will, you know, come at them in some way. Maybe physically, maybe through lawyers. But it's not that isn't really, really uh, specified. Like what exactly are they afraid of? Are they afraid of him physically? Are they afraid of losing the money that came from the NDA? Are they afraid of maybe the public being a public persona? Those things are not necessarily described or specified through each victim's story. Um, and that's something that's a little bit lacking I think in both stories, I think they do a better job in the book of explaining. Whereas like some people are motivated, um, to not have to pay back whatever settlement that they received right through the NDA, because if they do go on the record and they do say that he did these things like that provides grounds for Harvey Weinstein to pursue them legally and get that money, that settlement money back, which, you know, maybe they do have, or they don't have. Um, But that really wasn't specified, I think, is what you're getting at. Yeah. Well, like the fear of being a public person, essentially. Yeah.
0: I think I'm just I'm putting it out there like it's a a sort of a hard thing to, to talk about because it is so nebulous and like cloudy, but it's just like they more or less succeed on every front that they show. In the book, there is very obviously like a bunch of women they reach out to. Some of them are famous, some of them are not. Many of them don't talk, and you can't show the women that didn't talk in the movie because Mm -hmm. they didn't talk, and so there's no there's no way to do that. I guess you just sort of have to show the those folks who made the first article, who went on the record, or you know have since come on the record that influenced the first article. Um. I don't. Yeah, I'm just thinking through like the the, this, the wall like the roadblocks to hitting publish and w-
2: mm-hmm.
0: like was it could it have been stronger was it strong enough um how to strengthen it kind of thing and i don't know there's a right answer like i think it's it's almost a, a function of the story that they're trying to tell which mm-hmm. is i mean i've heard it said before but it's like very much like documentarian in mm-hmm. a certain way yeah. where like they're they've cleared out space for the victims to tell their stories though they're actors you know they're that that is what the the movie cares about mm-hmm. is like the victim stories, not weinstein the person who committed this who did whatever who,
2: mm-hmm. who
0: rich had who like was able to i don't know rich ret- retribute is not the word but like his his like wrath is not a part of this movie yeah it's right. really just the victim stories. And so I guess my thought is like, is that a movie or is that like fictionalized doc- documentary?
1: As you were saying. Yeah. We also don't get like Harvey's wrath. Everybody talks about Harvey's wrath, his sort of bipolar nature of like being this charming, charming guy one minute. And then this like total psycho yelling and screaming at somebody the next. And then obviously committing acts of sexual harassment and assault another minute um so it's funny yeah i mean not funny but like it's interesting to see how because we don't see that and we're not sort of uh privy to that and we don't visualize that on the screen does that diminish the stakes of the film at all like does that diminish or the like not diminish is the wrong word but does that sort of change the stakes does that sort of change the feelings of um, why these women aren't speaking out or why they're not going on the record because if we do see something like that obviously we connect with it and because we don't see that maybe there is a block right for having this antagonist character Um, I don't know it's an interesting question
0: yeah I mean, we've only seen the movie once and we saw it last night and I think there's there's it's like there's a whole lot of nuance that goes into any of it mm-hmm. all of it yeah um and I, I think it probably probably opens up like a very slippery slope as to if you allow him in it a little bit, he's got to be in it like all the way yeah. because that's the only way it makes sense. Yeah. He either gets grounded or he is just like everywhere. And I think if you put him everywhere, it's it sort of becomes like, this is a stupid metaphor, but like when there's a streaker on the field, you don't show the streaker yeah, because yeah, you yeah. don't want to encourage other people streaking. So right. why would you put Harvey Weinstein in a movie? Because... Then you're saying, like, the, also you know, becomes, it just by filming it, you're g- sort of like glamorizing it in yeah, a way. You're like, yeah. this is worthy of mm-hmm. film. It's so terrible. Right. Like all these like serial killer shows, right? Like, yeah, because yeah. Dahmer eats people, it's worth 13 episodes on Netflix or yeah. whatever. And, and it's like talking about it. Yeah. And it, in a certain way, like.
1: And then it becomes sort of an actor's thing. It's like an actor is sort of portraying this character, and it's like a big role for this actor. It's sort of like this thing everybody wants to see. Oh, we got to see, you know joaquin phoenix be harvey or whatever it is right like that would be a great role for an actor because it's such a big personality big character risky right so they sort of yeah get rid of that entirely yeah there's that there's not that aspect of this movie which is interesting i think
0: yeah i guess it's you're limiting the myth there, there, yeah. there cannot be myth because you're not allowing it to like
1: state, and that's sort of the point of the movie right important the point of the story is to like diminish those people like you just said and not encourage that kind of thing um and not give them sort of the screen time and and the uh the glow up or whatever
0: um yeah i'm I was just thinking out loud you know no as i mean as it's far as like
1: somebody's got to do it right somebody's got a thing for us yeah appreciate because you, you can that's imagine a
0: you can imagine a version of this where like black cube becomes the antagonist And they do exist like she sends emails to jody they Mm -hmm. follow jody in a black suburban and all that it doesn't really come to much um so i don't know i'm just thinking through like i don't know i guess
1: i mean this is why we do this we're thinking through the choices of the differences right yeah and why these decisions were made
0: it's Um, much easier when you're writing a book and you can just reprint his quotes because it's like yeah they're black and white they're lifeless They're it's just like information but when yeah. the moment you like put a camera on a guy who has to say those things in that tone of voice and all that it, it, things change make,
1: yeah you have to make a decision do we want to show this yeah yeah i think it's good good conversation um all right let's talk about the lawyer smaller stuff now <laughs>
0: yeah I, I just wanted to bring this up because in the book there Har- harvey's defense team is you know made up of lawyers and he pretty much like sends wave after wave of a different lawyer to the times newsroom or to meet with either of the reporters to talk on background about Harvey's behavior. And some of them, the the first lawyer like readily admits that he could be a better person. And he settled Mm -hmm. with multiple women and he's learning. And then other lawyers echo the same things. And then as it gets like further down the line, the lawyers sort of like close the vice around the story. And as the, more waves of lawyers come through, you sort of feel this like increasing stakes of the story and its impacts. And it becomes very clear that like uh Harvey there's a cricket on the or a spider on there. Oh (laughs) no. Um
1: should uh, I kill it? Sorry.
0: (laughs) It becomes it becomes more clear that Harvey is gonna be going down for this because of the as you as the investigation grows, it becomes more clear that Harvey has to like Grow a protective shell; otherwise, his his like career is going down, yeah, and his life is going going down. Um, and so I don't know. It was just sort of interesting that you know different lawyers come through and they have different perspectives. And in the movie, they they kind of limit the the lawyering to just a few people who show up again and again.
1: I would I this is one part of the movie that I wish they kind of delved more into the like personalities and motivations behind Harvey's lawyers. They kind of mention it uh, in a really Kind of a poor scene, not a poor scene, but like they basically find out the motivation behind. I think it's Lisa Bloom, her character, who's a lawyer for him. She is basically in business with Harvey because she has this uh, book book coming out. That's going to be a TV adaptation or something like that. And one of the reporters in the New York Times literally prints out a tweet uh, by Lisa Bloom and gives it to uh, Zoe Kazan, uh, jody Cantor, uh, in the film. It's like, well. I understand this is 2017, but like everybody's got Twitter on their phone. Everybody's got Twitter on their, w- I guess there's all these deleted. laptops around. You have to print out a fucking tweet and I guess tweets can get deleted. You know, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. But then just screenshot it. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it, it was, was funny. funny. It's like, yeah. who the fuck prints out tweets? Yeah. Anyways, uh side note, but I would have loved to see because the, the book gets into a lot of the backgrounds of these lawyers and some of them are like have been on TV before they have had court TV. Uh, shows and series and stuff like this and they're all kind of in Hollywood Um, and you know their motivations are uh, maybe not as noble as maybe other lawyers might Um, so it's just kind of interesting as well as like uh, the the relationships that Harvey has and sort of the connections of like oh this is like somebody's son who works for the Weinstein company and blah 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 and like all these connections are made and um, you know it, it just sort of paints a overall picture of like who these people are supporting him and defending him whereas we don't really get that in the movie at all i mean they kind of mention obviously lisa bloom's character but they don't we don't get the other characters um as well
0: yeah in the book lisa bloom is like a wannabe star where she's like using her perch on harvey's shoulder to mm-hmm. like tell the people that she's making him like atone and, and grow mm-hmm. but it's she's doing that right, right. i lisa bloom she's becomes like very big main char- main character energy yeah, yeah to like to do all this stuff right. uh, maybe it's just a function of like if you're if you're pumping down weinstein then you just don't need the waves of lawyers to to do all this because now you're just like introducing new character after new character after new character right. um i don't know is like as reading material it's it, you're you're watching this guy like trapped in the spider's web of his own like doings yeah like kicking trying to get out of there you know he tells stories where like oh, you know i uh, there's a very famous story in 1977, there was a snowstorm and we all needed to get one thing from the quickie Martin. Mm-hmm. Someone wanted like a 40, someone wanted a bag of chips. And I said, give me the New York times. Oh, yeah, Cause I am loyal to the New York <laughs> times. And it's just like the, the, the final strokes the of like a yeah. drowning man. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like very like interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. but I think, I think it all comes down to like the, the movie just had a different focus and for sure. Some of this stuff just, Got dropped, but again, yeah. a minor thing.
1: Yep. Um, anything else on the lawyers? Or you want to keep moving?
0: No, I think we should all go to law school, though, just for should we? I don't think I'm yeah. not gonna go. It's a lot of money.
1: <laughs> Rebecca Corbett, uh, she's another difference. She was, I guess, sort of a not a confidant, but sort of like a manager, sort of like a. Senior hey, tell me level. what her role is. <laughs>
0: this is this is the thing I want to talk about. It. What did
1: what exactly would you say that she did? She helped steer. Um, the two journalists sort of in the right directions and sort of gave them the criteria of what they needed to publish a story. But I didn't know what exactly, I think she's just their editor. Yeah. So okay. I was giving <laughs> you a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> I've never worked in a root newsroom, so I don't know the political uh, spheres of what happens there, but she was an interesting character.
0: Yeah. I-, I wanted to bring her up because so the, the book obviously is written by Megan and Jody. The article that the book is based on, uh, is actually written by megan jody and rebecca mm-hmm. so immediately like as it levels up from article to book she gets dropped obviously she's a times editor mm-hmm. and not going to edit or participate in a book necessarily right. um i don't know that she did a whole lot of reporting but maybe her contributions to the writing of the article were large enough that she deserved a byline mm-hmm. which is probably what happened I-, I wanted to talk about her just because it's it it goes to like a larger thing about this cast of five journalists that we have, there's Megan and Jody Rebecca played by Patricia Clarkson. Uh, a guy named Matt Purdy, who's the bald white guy that's just hanging around. Yep. And then there's Dean Baquet, who is the executive editor of the times. Um, it's, it's a lot of people for like this story. And the, it's, it's, I feel like they were all kind of like sanded out and smoothed out and their personalities like didn't quite come through there was like so many voices that you weren't quite sure whose voice meant what mm-hmm. um like matt purdy was he the editor of metro the metro section of like the you know general like what did what was his purpose there um it's, it's one of those things in in these movies where like the ben bradley the uh marty baron like these executive editors play such a large role because they're the ones that are going to be on the phone with like the person like Ben Bradley is the one that has to deal with Nixon or mm-hmm. Marty Barron is the one that like gets a call from Cardinal law. Uh, the reporters don't get that call. Uh, Dean Baquet is the one who gets the call from Weinstein. Mm-hmm. So automatically you have like two layers of people, the reporter and the executive editor, but in a real newsroom, you have in-betweens, you have like line editors, you have like section editors, you have all these different people and they have to exist because like Dean McKay is not jumping in on like a one-on-one with Megan Dewey. Right. There's someone else that's doing that and yep. they're reporting to him, but because it's a movie, you sort of have to collapse a lot of those distinctions. And I think when you do that, you risk losing some of the just like identifiable characteristics of some of these people. Mm-hmm. Like Rebecca Corbett is really interesting. She lives in Baltimore, commutes to New York and like lives in a hotel for a week and then like goes home every weekend. Mm-hmm uh sort of like joe biden you know training up and training back <laughs> for the weekend <laughs> many people um and she's just like very interesting good at her job editor who uh in the book is the one that like you said like steers pushes encourages them to like get documents get people on the record this is like the minimum we need to get this out mm-hmm. like you're collecting stories and that's great but like we need to push for on the record mm-hmm. uh we need to push for stuff and i feel like you don't quite get that here and then i just felt like writ large we were missing a lot of like what made a lot of these people more interesting like dean beckay is the first black executive editor at the times he's from new orleans Mm -hmm. and he's got this like very no bullshit Mm miss about him which Mm -hmm. i think kind of comes through in the movie it's a little perhaps more comedic than it was in the book but Mm -hmm. you know that's when you get the right actor in, you know things become yeah I don't know I elevated. I, I felt like in a way professionally as professional people mm. I felt like a lot of these characters were sort of like empty in a way mm-hmm. like there's a scene where Jody and Megan are going to that woman's house and uh Megan's like Jody you take the lead you're more intimidating or whatever it is they have to yeah, go like back yeah. and forth it's like, about why why am I not intimidating? who's more intimidating <laughs> yeah. and I like left that scene like I think they're both like equally intimidating uh-huh. um I don't know I, I think like being smart and good at your job is not characterization enough. And I feel mm-hmm. like all, sorry, all of these people are that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I wanted, I wanted like a little bit more nuance to some of the
1: mains. Yeah. I mean, you're totally right. We didn't get any background on um, Rebecca Corbett or Dean Bacay at all. I mean, we, I mean, honestly, we didn't even, when D, his, Dean McKay's his character's introduction to the movie is just like, he walks in on a meeting room and he's like, oh, yeah, I've had a deal with Harvey in the, in the past, and it was really ugly. And, like, that could have been anybody that worked at the Times. We had no idea that that was the executive, whatever his role is, but high up, yeah. right? Um, so we didn't get that at all, as well as Rebecca Corbett's. You sort of got the impression, obviously, she's more senior. They come to her. They see her as this sort of um, role model character um, and sort of coming to her for advice, that, I think, comes through um, in the movie. But, yeah, we don't get the fact that she lives in Baltimore. We, we sort of get the fact that she lives in a hotel room. We sort of get that vibe, but it's obviously not explained. Um, I do think that – I was just thinking of Spotlight, and they do a really great job of this because in the movie, um, there's this new character that comes in sort of like the head editor. He is sort of introduced, and he's brand new. And because he's an outsider, he's able to sort of – push everybody to investigate the catholic church a little bit more thoroughly um marty baron marty thank you good good call and um you you kind of get that background because you're introduced to the other characters the the um investigators and the reporters talking about it sort of in the background like oh yeah this new guy's coming in we don't really get that for dean as well as rebecca corbett we don't get sort of what other people think or how they feel about these higher level characters um and we just get no context really um we obviously as the movie goes on you understand Dean McKay is obviously running the show here because he's like initiating these calls he's talking to Harvey he's kind of talking down to Harvey because um, he's dealt with him in the past but yeah there isn't like a lot of tertiary exposition or characterization for these for these characters but um Maybe there was enough time. How long was this movie?
0: Uh, two hours fifteen minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's the
0: same length as Spotlight. Spotlight. is it really? Spotlight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know. I I I just was. I wanted more like character yeah. and less just like we are good. her
1: typing or telling them what to do. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So. Well, what we honestly what we got was like victim. We got like very specific characterization from the victims. Yeah, and a lot of those like vignettes
1: were a plus yeah a plus there was a couple scenes the one with um where she goes to the woman who lives in queens i don't know who the actress is Mm. that was such a great job that was such a great scene where she's like totally shocked and then she's like about to cry and then she's like i don't think i want to do this it's just like that's a great scene the one with samantha morton uh zelda or not was it zelda zelda perkins yeah zelda perkins that's at the restaurant I was thinking of Zelda the game. I was like, is that right? <laughs> that, yeah, that scene was great also. Um, yeah, there's a few of those that are really good. And, and then, then the, the, one at the Laura
0: end. Madden yeah. on the, on the beach. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I guess that's, I, I that's guess sort of the purpose of this movie. Yeah. Right? So.
0: so you like expanded your orbit on characters to, and it's not just like the, the core five that are breaking the story, but mm-hmm. it's like the 10 that are involved. Cause yeah. you get, you get Ashley Judd, um, and you get more people. Yeah. So that's probably that's probably what happened.
1: Yeah. I mean they could have bumped it at two thirty, right?
0: Or just like in their day to day, you learn more about them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We we certainly got their family life, and which is a segue into our next section here. Yeah. Um, but just professionally, I wanted to know how they were different. Yeah. Or like, like what
1: were their how were their roles different? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really get that. Yeah. That's true.
0: But let's talk about the next one, yeah. which is parenting. Let's do it. Um, this movie does something that a lot of other journalism movies don't do, I think, which is show working parents, um mm-hmm. uh, specifically working women. T- Tui is a you know first time mother who suffers from postpartum, and Cantor, who also suffered from postpartum, postpartum, has slightly older children. But um, I think both of these characters have to navigate the realities of being working parents while they're also breaking a very important story. There's a a, a a kind of a cool scene where um cantor is gets a call back from i can't remember who it is but like mm-hmm. she's she's with her daughter and she scribbles down really quickly like the netflix password like go watch netflix like while she's on the phone with like a yep. very important source yeah and it's just like i mean and of course the
1: kid's like oh yes please yeah
0: but it's just like then her husband walks in and she's like i can't, you know, I can't yeah, talk. yeah, yeah. And he's holding the kid and yeah. all this stuff um very real life felt felt real life yeah i think it goes to show that um i think it it fits with the the, the movies active actively centering women and their you know roles and how society expects them to operate as working women mm-hmm. you know a lot of these victims were employees of weinstein mm-hmm. they were working women and like this is what happened um i don't know it the women they kind of get to be like ginger rogers like the the meme which is like they all know the same dance steps as fred astaire but they have to do it backwards and in high heels yeah yeah and like that's something that you don't you don't get to see very much but it's like the reality of what happened Mm -hmm.
1: yeah to that point i think the movie does a great job of like showing how hard um and how you're never really off the clock for being a journalist especially at this level. You don't really get time to sort of relax and go on vacation or whatever. I mean, even um, Megan Tui's character is working as she's pregnant, right? Like, and she works. She comes back to work pretty soon. You know, it's insinuated after she gives birth, Um, and it and it shows how many like uh, maybe sleepless nights as well as late nights. They're working past twelve p.m. right or whatever twelve a.m. midnight um it's sort of like a little bit inspiring I felt like like oh man like let's get to work let's do this shit like um I thought the movie did a great job of that and I'm sure that will sort of inspire um you know a whole a whole number of you know future journalists female journalists um in the future hopefully but yeah for the parenting aspect we did not get that at all in the book we didn't know anything about their private lives their children but because I'm not even sure if this that stuff is even true. Maybe this is just color.
0: No, I think we knew that Tui was had just given birth. Oh, we
1: did know that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But did we know that Jody had two kids? I
0: can't I'm remember. I'm not sure. But anyways,
1: yeah. um it's sort of it's not brought it to the forefront, but certainly a much bigger part of the movie than it was the book, which I thought was nice and it sort of sort of um talks about or sort of um gives more purpose to this story and the fact of like the reason we're doing this work is so that we can prevent, you know, abuse in the future and victims in the future yeah. and sort of giving children as the backdrop to that sort of helps propel the motivation for the characters telling their stories as victims, as well as a reporters bringing the story to the forefront That's for the point. victims.
0: Laura Madden has like that, you know, mess of kids. She's got like four She's kids. Got, yeah. She has got a bunch of kids. Um, but
1: yeah that's a good point yeah yeah so parenting neither of us are parents but no we get it yeah. you understand i understand it <laughs> <laughs> must be tough i mean we're dog dads so yeah that's that counts i mean it's basically the same a lot thing, of sleepless
0: right? nights there a lot
1: of diapers changed <laughs> somebody has a great joke it's like um honestly it's harder to be a dog parent than a real parent because the stakes are higher like if my dog bites somebody i have to put my dog down Whereas if your kid bites somebody, you don't have to do that. So wow, just saying like stakes are higher. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, was the adaptation successful? I think so.
0: Um, we got the soup to nuts of the Weinstein story. Um, and it it gave us a broader understanding of the systems that like enabled someone like him to remain in power for as long as he did Mm -hmm. and it it did so like in in a in a very like emotionally wrenching way Mm -hmm. um it it was very like people first and i think uh
1: i think it's successful okay i agree i um yeah i thought the movie was great i thought the book was even better but it the movie did enough justice to the source material that um you know it didn't stray off or it wasn't like a poorly done adaptation i thought it was good yeah for the reasons we've spoken about for the past hour or so yeah <laughs> um and did you like the movie
0: i did yeah yeah i part of me wants to watch it again to i don't know think through the like the medium of it like yeah. the, it was well served as a book would it be more well served as a documentary versus a, a movie mm-hmm. um i understand why they did what they did but we're talking about movies here you know i don't know I, i'm thinking about the, like the medium here right yeah not just film yeah so um i did like it though i thought yeah. it was i thought it was like harrowing and um very effective
1: me too i would love to watch it again maybe a couple of times um because I, I don't know i feel like it's tough to talk about a movie so soon after you've seen it sometimes you need to let it settle or sometimes you need multiple viewings but um. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I would definitely watch it again. Okay. Hot takes. You go first.
0: The failing New York Times is alive and well, baby. Look at this. <laughs> They're out here. Uh, Jody, Megatui is getting nominated for two Pulitzer's for her yeah. work.
1: You yeah, know, pretty good. They're holding uh
0: holding power to account. Yeah. You know? <laughs> As they should. That's what you want. That's what you want. Yeah.
1: Um. My hot take is that I th- I kind of mentioned this the beginning. I think I'm just gonna say it. I think it's it's too soon. To make a movie like this and have it be as effective, I think it's we're still in the Me Too movement. We're still in the Me Too era. I think these films that are like talking about historical events are better served with more time between what happened. That's just my opinion. I'm gonna I'm gonna make That's a stance. That's why it's a hot take. I'm making a stance, and I haven't seen um, all the Pres- Presidents Men. That feels like it's too soon after. Right, movies are supposed to be reflective,
0: but but now it's like been 50 years for that movie.
2: So yeah, so
1: now we should make it. Now we should make all the president's men. But if so go watch it. <laughs> I will I sh- I will cuz I I think one of the interesting things
0: is that also too like it's been 50 years since the movie came out. The spider's moving
1: towards you. <laughs> There's a spider on the ground. Oh god. Yeah.
0: Uh it's been it's been a while since the movie has come out. Yeah. So now you're watching it without the like two years after context so in time does it all just smooth out and you won't like will you be able to divorce the idea that this movie came out
1: now Mm -hmm. in 50 years i just think like so i'm going to give like a an analogy here we can't um judge presidents right we we right after their term ends, right? We have to give them time, historical context of like, like the way things shake out. Right. Like Trump is
0: still like number
1: one. For you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not saying that, <laughs> but like that's sort of the way I look at this is like, we just need more time to play out. We also need to like remove ourselves from the me too. The move me too movement has to like sort of have a conclusion. And then we like have time to sort of contextualize and think about it. And then we can sort of return to it as time goes on. Not you know it's because like I don't know, I think there are people, and i'm I'm not one of these people, but I think there are definitely people who are like see this as like, oh, this is like the, the me too movie, fuck that, right like there's gotta be a crowd of people who think that, and you almost don't want that right you want to sort of have people forget about this period of time and move on right, do other things and then return to it after you've had the sort of historical context of time to think about it, um right and sort of remind yourself of it right because the reason spotlight is so good is it because it happened right after the uh the article came out it's because we had time to sort of grapple with the article we had time to think about the catholic church and what they did and then we sort of forgot about it and then that's why another another bad example is like uh what was it united 93 Right, that came out like almost immediately after, and like nobody wanted to see that movie. Yeah, right, and like it's like this is way too soon. Like, um, I don't know. That's just my hot take. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I just wish there was more time.
0: Yeah, I see that. I also I do think it's it can be like dependent on the oh my god, the spider's moving again. The (laughs) storyteller, because we just talked about Greatest Beer Run, and Mm -hmm. the take of that movie was like. And Vietnam was maybe bad. And it's like a, a person in that time learning that Vietnam was maybe like different than what they thought. But that was like an accurate representation. Mm-hmm. And the guy, you know, Peter Farrelly got like bad reviews because everyone's like, wow, congratulations. You finally learned that Vietnam was bad. But if you're putting yourself in the context of the time, mm-hmm. God, I thought the spider was on me. Uh, <laughs> if you're putting yourself in the context of the time, it's different. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it it can work. And I think it, and I think also like if you wait and tell a story, it can fail. I see what you're saying. So I, I think you're, you're not wrong, and uh, I'm right. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, th- I think you're, I think you're not wrong, and I think also like
1: you are right. You're not wrong, and you are right. I, I, I think yeah. I just think it doesn't like the fact that it came out now isn't a bad thing. I just think they would be better served if there was more time between
0: right. Cause at some point like the, the me too movement is going to like dissolve into the culture right. as just like an understanding of how to treat people.
1: Yeah. It's like, we we'll, we will all have a general understanding of like of that and then we'll, it, it will sort of conclude and we'll all move on with new standards. Right. Yes. And then whatever time will move on. And then we're like, we'll show this movie. We'll make this movie. And then it's like, Oh, that's why we, that's why we have these standards we have today. Right we're sort of reminded it's like if we're still in it we're not really reminded it's like it's already happening i i understand
0: yeah yeah I, I i i imagine at some level there's probably like an arms race for uh like hollywood to get these things out before like other people yeah can get these things like how many nixon movies were being made in like 1975 yeah, yeah, yeah. you know probably too m- many multiple so okay. you gotta someone someone had to like move fast yeah and is that a reason to do it? I don't know
1: this is me beating a dead horse oh God Just a fire. yeah um okay, so move your book
0: uh book no surprise
1: same we don't need to expand <laughs> uh see the previous <laughs> ninety minutes uh what are you gonna remember most
0: um that in the New York Times newsroom only one person at a time could work in their c m s you know oh interesting very true yeah someone had to save it and the next person get in i work in a cms and uh that's also true is that right yeah if you want to make like back-end edits uh only one person can do it at a time
1: that seems like not good for the new york times because they have so many different stories going at one time
0: i imagine they they at one point had a like live document whether it's like a google doc or Mm. like a teams like a, a live word doc and then they moved it into the cms to like and see how it looked, and we're like ready to go. Like at a certain point, they were like ready to go. With but it was it.
1: in the CMS for a while. I feel like it was in the CMS for those two days, right?
0: Yeah, I guess you just saved. What if it someone as a draft? like accidentally like hit, you know hit the button? And the thing, <laughs> also too, with in the in the movie, the guy just like hits the publish button. I don't think it works like that. I think probably like there's like a two factor, where like he would hit like publish approve, and then... and then someone else would hit publish. Oh, I see. Or something
1: like that. Yeah, that way you don't accidentally. Yeah. He did do like mobile desktop or yeah. web or whatever and then publish i thought that was interesting
0: i felt like a little too easy for me you know i
1: mean maybe yeah maybe the new york times is failing
0: also <laughs> there are there are a couple moments where uh jody is interviewing like when she interviews zelda perkins mm. they talk for a long time and she like isn't writing anything in her notebook and it was like really oh, me. Yeah, i was yeah. like
1: fucking write because she was down. so captivated by the story i know but i was like it's called acting come dude.
0: on yeah well they, yeah, they were acting with each other they weren't she wasn't like I was like, write notes down. How are you you're gonna forget this? You don't get. You're it. not recording this. You gotta write the notes. You're yeah. gonna forget.
1: She, how's she gonna forget if she's so captivated? The time, time <laughs> ruins all. Yeah. Um, I like, like you mentioned, I really love the scenes with Samantha Morton and uh, the Mother and Queens. Like I said before, I just like those were the A plus moments for the movie for me. So, okay, we did it. We are, we are at time here. We, uh, we made it. And um, if you haven't listened check out our most recent episode on the greatest beer run ever and keep an eye out for our next episode on bones and all. Um, any shout outs,
0: say start faster now because the next episode is going to be a hungry one. <laughs>
1: oh, I like your illusion there. There you go.
0: <laughs> no uh, shout Well, shout outs to the New York times for, uh, you know, keeping, uh, keeping journalism alive. Yeah,
1: no, great job. Shout out to the New York times for winning the Pulitzer too. I mean, they got there
0: they got their money and buying wordle that was cool yeah the what buying wordle
1: oh yeah there you go. do you still wordle no yeah i don't think anybody does anymore no. it's probably a bad investment at this point
0: it's for the game center you know you're not about the game center no not really yeah. oh well um new york times daily uh mini crossword i do that i don't do cross out to the the daily mini crossword
1: shout out yeah do you don't you don't do the full crossword
0: uh it's not free you gotta pay for that
1: so you don't do it you don't support the new york times
0: I don't i listen to the new york times daily podcast free on spotify which is where you can listen to our podcast and all of our back episodes
1: thank you so much for that plug see you next time